0: Hey everyone! You know the guest
1: of today's flashback episode from Two Broke Girls at Midnight, the Female Brain, and her many comedy specials. Here's writer, director, actress, and producer Whitney Cummings.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host Anna Ferris.
2: I do my I, I do my own intros what? like an asshole. Whitney Cummings hails from Washington, D.C. Oh, no, no. A- oh,
1: my God. Slow it down.
2: Oh, fuck.
1: Yeah. Let's pretend that you're at, like, a voiceover audition. and The job is very lucrative. Okay. And this is, like, a $3 million okay. contract. Okay. Valtrex. For the next.
2: I'm trying to just get in the space yeah. of what I would get asked to do voiceover-wise. Yeah.
1: yeah. I love that you went to Valtrex. <laughs>
2: Just trying to be realistic. I know myself.
1: Okay, so Whitney, thanks so much for coming in to read for us. My pleasure. There's only like two other people that are up for this. So just read this Mm -hmm. before we give you the copy. Just read. Yeah, this is just a bio about you. Just be
2: yourself, you know, just Mm, be yourself. That doesn't work very well for me. Just just
1: make sure you slow it down. Okay.
2: And action. Whitney Cummings hails from Washington, D.C., she's an American stand up comedian, actress, producer. Writer, director, and podcaster. Her credits include one comedy album. Can I stop you for just, just a second? Of course. Okay. Would you mind just emphasizing
1: which thing you like the best?
2: Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Just put yeah, a little yeah. heat into it. Of course, it. of course. Okay, yeah. yeah yep. Tay I take it just from the second she, of course, sentence. Totally, totally. Yeah. Okay. She's an American stand up comedian, actress, producer, writer, director, and podcaster. Her credits include one comedy album, four stand-up specials, three comedy central roasts, and numerous television series. Can I stop you for a second? Sure, of course Kim. Where did you guys get this? Uh, your team, okay. Just take it again her- with a little more oomph. oomph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her credits included one comedy album, four stand-up specials. Okay. All right, slower down. You know what? Just a touch. Got it. Yep. I'm getting in my head oomph and heat. I'm trying to do both. And yeah.
1: Just keep going. They're
2: not the same thing. It's fine. Three Comedy Central roasts and numerous television series in which she has served various roles, including producer, creator, director, showrunner, and actress. That was great. Thank you. Oh you gosh, think that was great. That Thanks. was great. That was so great. Thank that you. That was so that's really great.
1: nice. You have a beautifully distinctive voice. <laughs> You actually do. I've been Do you get recognized by your voice?
2: In airports, Uh people go, I didn't think it was you until you started talking. Mm -hmm. So that's their way of saying you look worse in person and your voice is grating and I can hear it from across the terminal.
1: Don't think that's what it is.
2: You have a very distinctive voice. People make
1: fun of me a lot for being like, oh, oh, it's just. Oh, they me. love it. They
2: love it. You well, have. Yeah, I know. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. In
1: certain areas. I feel
2: like that voice. is just like
1: oh, epic. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a good porn orgasm,
2: right off the bat. You know what's crazy? I oh. I never have loud orgasms. They get really quiet and I'm like shut the fuck no, no, up. No. Everyone shut up. Yeah, yeah. Shut up. Shut yeah. the fuck
1: up. Oh, uh, that makes complete sense. But I give have to us focus. You're a loud
2: fake one. I know. I totally hear you. I don't even know how I would fake it. I've never don't I never done that before.
1: What? No, I, no, 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 no. No, no, no. But, but you can act like you can. Come
2: on. <gasps> oh my god. Wrong direction. Yeah. <laughs> huh? I, I just wish girls could have orgasms the way guys do. <gasps> Like they're puking. It always sounds like they're puking. Isn't it sad that that's <gasps> a feeling
1: that we'll never know? <gasps> bitch.
2: What? <laughs> we'll never know. We'll and you never know, what? know. I love that you say that. And I always tried to write a bit about like, if we understood, if we could do some VR machine or something to understand how much better sex feels for guys, I feel like we'd be so much more patient and compassionate. Really? Don't you think? I think that we are the patient and compassionate gender. Correct, but I've seen men throw away their families, their careers, over having sex with like one person. I'm like, that must be incredible. That's Maybe true. I'm just having weak ass orgasms or maybe I'm, my, you know, Kegels are a little sloppy or something. But I always go, God, maybe we just don't know how great it is. Of course we don't. You how know? the fuck could we? And we're like, how could you cheat on us? And they're like, if you knew how good it felt, you'd do that it too. That must feel incredible. Because I'm like, maybe guys have so much more self-control and self-restraint. Maybe we don't even understand because it's so good. We don't maybe what? we're the monsters here, Whitney. <laughs> I love where you're going with this. But why would you think that they
1: have more self-control? Than? I don't
2: believe that at all, but I think that if in this magical devil's advocate world, yeah. I'm playing it if orgasms felt like a billion times better than ours did, right, maybe we just don't understand what they're up against in terms of their willpower. I guess we do get the multiple factor though. Is that just like you have one and then you have another tiny one?
1: For me, I describe it like a wave set. A wave set. They come in like rows of like five. So your your orgasms have like a stuttering problem. No, it's just like, like, here it comes again. Really? Here it comes again. I'm very blessed. Was it always like
3: that? No. This sounds like a disability.
1: No. I don't think this is. This is is. what happens when you turn, (laughs) after you turn 40. I'm 43 now. And I do think that there's like that wonderful thing of like, oh, I now have a bit of sexual liberation in a way that
2: I didn't oh, before. Oh, wow. Because you're like nervous or insecure trying totally. to perform in your head. Oh, wow. 100%. Cool. Are you like one of those people that like has orgasms when they go horseback riding? Oh, my God. I'm having one right <laughs> now. Can you give me 30 seconds? Quit, man. <gasps> okay.
1: oh. Five in a row. That's like – That's what happens like when you turn fucking 40. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how How do you feel right now about – The state of feminist affairs or whatever it is.
2: I think everything that's happening is great. You know, it's a little white at the moment, you know? Things could just be improved in this moment. Yeah. I just remember going to the Women's March and there were no black women there. And I was like, this feels weird, you know? So I'm learning myself about Instagram feminism <laughs> about showing up and just going like oh we're doing the right thing right and then going like oh wait where are we donating who are these people like where what's this actually changing law wise who's actually making the decisions who's actually getting the money from all this yeah. i'm jumping around but someone asked me recently like don't you think we should have a female james bond and i was like no i don't because if we remake james bond with a woman The guy that wrote it gets all the money. You know, the guy that wrote the song just makes more money. When you make a female version of a male movie, the men that made it just make more money. So to me, the more feminist, if you will, version of this is a woman creates her own character with her own merchandise, with her own song, and then she keeps all the money. I think there's a little bit of this performative stuff that I always want to get back to like, okay, I think, how are we getting money in more pockets? Because that's what actually can change women's lives. Yeah. There's this thing where being asked to do panels, women's empowerment panels, yeah. which is like, why are we getting paid for these? Right. I'm in this weird place where I'm like, women's empowerment panel, am I truly empowered? If it takes it my whole day and I don't ask for money and I don't get paid. You know what I mean? But I obviously want to share whatever I know. But it's also like I'm empowered. So I have to go back to work. Right. Tuesday at 2.15. How are all these showrunners on this panel? Like, aren't we all in production? Like, how do we have time? Don't you guys know that we're working? You of all people. Because then it's like we finally gave women jobs. They're not running the shows because they're doing panels all the time. (laughs)
1: Hi, hi, I have a question for Whitney. Hi, hi. Whitney, I am such a huge fan of yours. And congratulations on, like, I mean, you're such an inspiration. You're a showrunner. You're a comedian. You're you're beautiful. You're an actress. And you've been, like, such a huge inspiration to me. Um, I'm just wondering, like, if your boss wants to fuck you, what exactly do you say? Like, I just want to know. What you Where do mean. you work? <laughs> I work at a packaging company. Um, I can't really tell you which one. And it's a great job. Yeah, but um, clearly. But when, I don't know, like I would, sometimes I'd rather like eat my tuna fish sandwich than fuck my boss mm. during lunch break. So I just, w- I'm wondering if there's any advice you could give me. <laughs> God, this is
2: so fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I would say go talk to HR. Sue that motherfucker, get paid, get a house in Raleigh-Durham and do your thing. So that's
1: what I should do? I mean... Can I talk to your HR?
2: <laughs> my HR is do you, too do busy. You have, do you have they a lawyer? Around, they're round the clock managing my lawsuits from doing podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, that's the thing is like, we're retweeting, we're posting. But like, my thing is like, where are you donating? And like, what are you doing? I asked my agency like, hey, can you bring me like three... Uh, writers that aren't getting seen because they're either female or, you know, something other than white guy, bring to me and I'll help get them produced. And so I've been doing that.
1: Can I submit myself?
2: Well? <laughs> I'm at capacity. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> You're like the multi hyphenate. What is your favorite job? Stand up comedy.
2: Why? I have my own theories. I love acting in TV shows. I love being a part of a family. I love. Going and seeing the same faces every day and like dressing up in costumes and making each other laugh. Like being on a TV show is like having the family I never had, you know? Even the fights and the people that don't get along, you know, it's just like a weird support system that just feels so, I get high off of that. And it's like having a family, but everyone's like legally obligated to stay. No one's allowed to leave. It's like (laughs) my dream, like to have (laughs) trapped the people that I love in a building with hair and makeup. It's like all I ever wanted and to document every second of it. (laughs) So I love that so much. But I also, the TV business, you know, it's you, you're going to get your heart broken and you're going to have one bad apple ruin it for everyone. And you're going to have all these like really unfair situations and egos and, you know, mental illnesses.
1: Wouldn't you love it less if you were not in charge?
2: It depends on who was in charge. Right. But you know, it's like when you're the boss, it's like everyone's gonna sort of resent you on some level. Right. And everyone right. and if something goes wrong, it's your fault. You know, and everyone turns you into their mother and like something. Everyone's projecting shit onto you. Oh and- my god, I so wanna suddenly be a
1: thirteen year old that's on a new show of yours. Okay. Hey, Whitney. Hi. Hi. Um, I just had a quick question for you. Sure, of course. Yeah. Hey, um, so when um, the thing that I don't love about that line in the sea scene in the kitchen, you know, I don't, what I really don't like about it Mm -hmm. is that I just don't feel like it, it speaks to me and who I am. And I think my mom would agree she's in my dressing room, but I wanted to talk to you privately at first. And it's that line about the oatmeal, and I just don't, I just, I'm not, I just don't know if it's, like, who I would
2: be, because I'm supposed to be a prodigy. Okay, I hear you. Do you want to give it a shot? Like, do you want to just try it? Let's just see it on its feet. I kind of don't want
1: to, because truthfully, I've always felt like, I mean, I'm gluten-free, my character's gluten-free. I just don't know if it, anything is feeling quite right in Okay, that scene. well, we can do
2: like an oat oh, gluten free oatmeal muffin. How about that?
1: A muffin? But I just don't know if like my mom bakes or like, or did I make the muffin? She could have bought it. It could have, so like, she we went can, out early that morning.
2: You know, I feel like if we just go Even out. Even
1: though she comes into my bedroom and she's like, wake up and she's in her pajamas still. Like, are they freshly baked or did she, she get them the night before? Could have
2: bought them the night before. How about that? Great. She
1: bought them the night before. Yep. Yep, 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 Okay, so I'm supposed to take a Raisin Bran muffin to
2: school. Do you want to just give it a shot and see if the joke gets a laugh and if it does, No, then not we- really.
1: Because the thing is, is that I always want to be, like, super true.
2: Super we- true?
1: Yeah, to, like, who we are. And I know that you've always been that way. Like, you've always been like, oh, we have to, like... How say-.
2: about we fire you? <laughs> This is really bringing up I'm old sorry. shit for me. i no, But it's so true. Because I'm trying. Uh, that's all you can do is just be like, okay, yeah, uh-huh. I hear yeah, you. Yeah, I guess okay. I just have uh-huh. to listen. I uh-huh. guess I'm just going to process mm-hmm. what you're saying. Do you need a blanket? But you have to be stern, too. You just have to be like, no. You also have to do that. Nobody says no to me. To you. <laughs> no, they <laughs> shan't. No one. But you don't ask for crazy things. You're so reasonable and sane. Oh, wow. What do you think is the craziest thing you've asked for? A hot air balloon with sushi in it. <laughs> <laughs> on a woman's naked body. Ooh, <laughs> shit. Do you remember Should've that a- there were sushi restaurants with women that had sushi on their bodies? I mean, I remember that from Sex and the City. Yes! I grew
1: up in Washington State, mm-hmm. and we have Spokane? coffee stands. Oh, with the
2: topless girls. Yes. I've been to one. There's a ton of them. They're in bikinis.
1: Yeah. Yes, and there are topless ones,
2: though, too. That wow. Are, that are, yeah. I mm-hmm. almost moved to Portland. Why? Yeah, it's a weird thing to throw out there. I was thinking about it. I was dating someone that lived in Portland and I almost moved there and I didn't. That's all I have to say about up north. You know, the kind of a conversation starter is difficult. It's Because yes, then, then there's where nowhere do I go? go? There's I know. nowhere do to I go. Do I ask you do you regret it? It was uh, I forgot what's going we were podcasting for a second. No, I was just my clock was ticking and I panicked and I was like I guess I have to move to Portland. And then you didn't and then I didn't.
1: I like it that You actually didn't do it, though. Me too. Because I think that there's a lot of pressure we put on ourselves to either follow our man or follow love or as
2: opposed to, you know. Yeah. I'm good at long distance. Like, I actually really like a long distance relationship because I need a lot of time to restore myself. And so I've done really well in long distance relationships. But then sometimes you're there for more than four days and you're just like, oh, my God, you're so (laughs) boring. But don't you like, think- I kind of made up this relationship in my head.
1: There's a loneliness, though, of course. You're on the road all the time. The idea of, like, having your suitcase
2: out and, like, picking up bars of soap and unwrapping them. And- Makes me want to cry. <laughs> I check luggage. I know I'm in the minority. I've actually gotten in screaming fighting matches with boyfriends in airports because they're like, who the fuck checks luggage? Like, for a two-day trip, I always bring my wash, my scrub, my exfoliating mitt. You name it, I bring it. I, like, turn the hotel room into my home. Who's this dick boyfriend? Oh, have you not had guys get mad at you for checking luggage before? Fuck no. Really? <laughs> that was, like, a really universal thing. No. <laughs> I have a type. I went to Thailand for, like, eight days. I was like, I'm fucking checking luggage. And he's like, I got a fucking East pack. That's all I'm taking. That, to me, is how you can decide any relationship whether it's going to work or not. You have to have the same travel regimen. I don't like these dudes. I've dated a lot of guys that are, like... You know, really, like, you know, obsessive type people. And uh, I think a lot of people take pride in, like, not checking luggage.
1: A lot of stand-ups, do you mind my asking? Never dated
2: a stand-up in my life. <sighs> Isn't that weird? They always feel like brothers to me right away. Right. It's, like, feels like incest. Right. Bobby Lee and I one time were on the road, and he's like, let's just see if you can, like, touch my dick. And we could not stop laughing. Couldn't do it. That is... Yeah. funny and disturbing and yeah. now it's seared into my brain <laughs> i'm so sorry for no, this no, image no I've never dated a stand-up i think i have some kind of like self-preservation instinct to not shit where i eat yeah that makes sense it's just like i'm here Especially every night
1: with stand-ups, like because it is a solitary and very public forum and artistry like it's something that i i admire so much but i You're also so good don't. at it we
2: did your live podcast that time and you were really good
1: Thanks, but I wasn't doing stand-up at all. I
2: know, but you were just being extemporaneously funny. And, and I think that most stand-up, it is jokes, yes, but it is also, like, the people that have figured out a way to be the most radically, like, truthful and self-aware and authentic because the audience can smell bullshit if you're just telling jokes that you don't believe or don't have real opinions. People now especially respond to authenticity and you oh, are already kind of there. Do you think that, that was there's an evolution
1: with that? Is with stand-up?
2: For sure. It used to just be like, who's going to tell the best jokes? Now it has to be your jokes match your essence. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I think that because people can find jokes anywhere now, on YouTube, on Instagram, every night is eight talk shows doing stand-up. People are hilarious on Twitter now, memes, comedies everywhere. By the time someone goes and sees stand-up, they've already seen so much comedy all day on their phone that you now have to bring something above just jokes. Fuck. I know. You have to be vulnerable. You have to tell a secret. You have to tell a story. Oh, shit. That's so interesting. I know. It's annoying yeah <laughs> like you finally figure out how to do your job and then the rules change <laughs> your recognition of that is brilliant you start to feel it you start to feel like all of a sudden something that was really funny it just in terms of a comedy style two years ago now feels a little bit like hokey or false right People don't want a performance right they want to feel like they're experiencing something that no one else is experiencing love that's fucking fascinating. And people, I've even noticed in the last two years because of podcasts and Instagram and stuff, people will participate in the show. People will ask questions. Really, They'll be like, how's Anna? What's she like? They'll ask, you know, what's Rogan like? Like people want to participate. I don't know if it's because of the engagement on Instagram and responding in comments or just hearing people, you know, with podcasts. Now, I mean, someone who's listened to your show, how many hours have they spent with you? Hundreds? I I don't know. If someone is loyal to your podcast, and they see you in person, they know you. You're friends with them. That is an amazing point that you brought up because sometimes I will have
1: people come up to me that have listened to the podcast, and they don't want a selfie. There's this feeling of secrecy. Like, hey, I'm a big fan of your podcast. I don't want to make a thing of it. So you're right. I know more about you than
2: you know about you. Right. That's the thing is that if you listen to my podcast, you know that I don't want someone to come grab me and take a picture with me in public. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? If you know any, when someone's like, big fan, will you record my voice memo for my phone? And I'm like, are you sure you're a big fan? Because if you knew me, if you truly were a fan, you would know that that's my nightmare. But I also think that there's a little bit of like, I had this weird security thing where someone just felt so entitled to me because they're like, well, I've listened to you for a hundred hours. I've watched all your shows. I've bought your stuff. Like the least you could do is like, give me a hug and take a picture. You know, like there's also that too, where I'm like, oh gosh, there is this thing now where people that consume so much of us, like what do I owe them? You know, so I'm the one in the airport that's like taking nine photos and like, you know, calling friends and FaceTiming moms. and You know, so it's just like this weird new exchange. Do you think that you should
1: make a small list of people who might kill you in case you do get murdered? And I have then...
2: one. I do have one. I... <laughs> I
1: can't believe I didn't even have to finish my question. Sorry. Before.
2: No, no. You, you already, you're already there. It's Well, it's interesting because anyone who's dealing with like harassment online or death threats, like the security person said something interesting, which is the person that's going to kill you isn't going to give you a heads up. It's like, don't make decisions based on this advice. Yeah, yeah, that makes so de- sense. So don't worry about death threats. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm more worried in some ways and also less worried because death threats, you're like, oh, well, this person is going to try to kill me, you know? And they're like, oh, no, 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 The people that actually do it never give a warning. Who is this expert that's saying that, by the way? This guy at Sunglasses Hut I feel that like I was they- talking to. Um, <laughs> he's smart. He's a really smart dude. Don't bother making a list. Yeah, Ooh. and after his death threat, we just started, like, talking and, you know, it was just like... <laughs> Like if someone's creepy or gives you a bad vibe, you're always like, oh, I'm probably being sensitive or always, oh, you know, we always want to override our gut instinct, but our gut instinct always knows the truth about people. You know, whenever you have a bad business deal, a bad relationship, you're like, I knew it. I always knew it. I knew it from the beginning. I, my gut told me and I ignored my gut.
1: Yeah. How would you murder somebody? Well, that's a good question.
2: I think I would try. To, I would just poison someone. You always take the risk that it's not going to work. But I think I would try to just go for poison. What would you do?
1: I don't know. I was thinking like.
2: (laughs) Like I've given this a lot of thought.
1: There isn't actually anybody that I want to kill
2: yet. I have pictured running over people by accident. Oh, on purpose. Accident. Oh,
1: backing up or forwarding on. Forwarding. Yeah,
2: I've thought about that.
1: What kind of car do you have?
2: A truck. Oh, okay. Oh, right. All right. It'd be hard, but you know. Yeah. But I have thought about it. All Right. It's hard in LA to run somebody. It's you can't get above fifty miles an hour. <laughs> you do have a truck. Yeah, I know. I'd have to get them at a weird time. What about like a uh, sleeping bag suffocation? That is like three minutes of intense cardiovascular exercise mm. to yep. get them to You're actually right. die. They're gonna be fighting gonna for be their life. Fucking they're gonna be. Su- <laughs> yeah, they're gonna be super strong. They're gonna have superhuman strength because the adrenaline's gonna kick in. Shit. And I might start laughing. You know, you might lose your grip. All right. A lot of people do that pillow thing. I don't know how people do it. I sleep with a pillow over my head every night, and I can breathe right through it. Why do you do that? Because I I don't like noise or light, so I sleep with a pillow over my head.
1: Why don't you have, like, a mask?
2: I do. I have noise-canceling headphones. Oh, you have a whole thing. I have a whole thing. I'm kind of bored. My sleep. – I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, I love sleep talk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I hate it when people talk about that shit. I just, I know a lot of people that do... Tell me, st- me also about your drive here. <laughs> Wait, so how would you kill someone? Oh. It's a hard one. I know. Apparently drinking gold kills people. Oh. Oh, you know what you could do? You could find out what someone's allergic to.
1: Uh, Release
2: like bees on them. Uh, no? Okay. I don't know if there's a cliff pushing element. I I think that's a good one. Thank you. They get to see beautiful scenery Uh, on their way down. It's like, let's go for a hike. It's a very, you better make sure they don't grab your hand on the way down. Shit. I didn't think about that. That's the other thing. You got to be very precise. Okay. I'm going to say, oh yeah, look, it's crazy. That
1: view off the cliff. Beautiful. Just go look. Okay. Just go look. (laughs) 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 She fell. Everyone knows that Whitney's been a risk taker. Like... (laughs)
2: Ah, Everyone knows about her. She was her. like, oh, I need, like, I'm so self-absorbed. I need a selfie right by the cliff. <laughs> Woo! You know, 259 people have died from taking selfies. That's it? Great answer. <laughs> Best answer I've heard so far. There's a video of a guy who was trying to take a selfie with a bear, and the bear <laughs> ate him, and I'm sorry that I'm laughing. It's just so Darwin Awards. Yeah. Oh, God. That's, like, the new dumb way that people are going to be dying.
1: Maybe it's the new hip way.
2: <laughs> You can't be so judgmental, it's Whitney. You're right. I'm a monster. Why am I such a dickhead? I don't know. I, that's I don't know, but you I'm always a, have been. As long as it posted on the way down and I got some likes. Will you tell us about your Something Weird? This is a book that I ordered because I bought a new house And I had all these bookshelves. So I went and I wanted to order a bunch of vintage books. And one of the vintage books I ordered is a self-help book from the 50s called Sex and the Office. Ooh, how do we navigate the workplace, Whitney? Yeah. Do I tell people if I was fired? You do not, frankly, tell people anything of the kind. Though your tendency is to announce your injury like a wounded child, this is not smart. The minute you tell a handsome stranger at a cocktail party, you were canned. A veiled hooded look comes into his eyes. Someone out there doesn't want you. He isn't sure he does either. Be honest with close friends, but evade or lie publicly. (laughs) I love it that after
1: she's been fired, she's going to a cocktail party and she's like, no, I wasn't
2: fired. Oh my God. Why can't you, by being a dear, sweet, Good little girl and wearing dirt repellent miracle fabrics, just lie down and let office politics wash over you. (laughs) Oh, it's kind of hot. It is kind of hot and weird and patronizing, but this was feminist at the time. How sexy can you look in an office and still be appropriately dressed? Or never mind being appropriately dressed. How sexy can you look and still further your career? Lovely as cleavage is. We don't want it or them spoiling your chances to succeed. Don't scoff one executive I know. Maybe speaking for many when he says that he loves seeing acres of raw bosoms on the stage or at cocktail parties. But across a crowded desk, he gets that, quote, wet flounder feeling.
1: (laughs) I don't know what any of this even means. Wait, yes. Whitney, I felt like I just got like eight... A posy message, like what? None of it like, makes any we're sense. We're not supposed to dress sexy, but then we're supposed to, but kinda, but but then not from across the room. Like
2: what? It's all this was feminist. Pashima? <laughs> Pashmina? Remember Pashmina's? <laughs> and then there's a whole thing about how to fuck at the office. Oh, how is that? The bone china. What's bone china again? Whitney. This is a whole thing about how to give out bone it's china. It's your book. Yeah. <laughs> My sexist. How to give out
1: bone china?
2: China, uh, The whole thing about how to succeed at the office party is to hand out like saucers to all the men. God, this is so crazy. That's wild. It's weird. You're neurotic. This is a chapter. Is your ego so shaky that when somebody says a coworker did a sensational job, you can feel the spikes being driven into your ribs? Do you feel that other people's hate, jealousy, tenderness towards others in the room before the other feels it himself? Overly sensitive people do succeed in business. You can sense exactly what a boss needs before he needs it. This also makes you a great lover. But as I said, we have to wait a bit for that discussion. There's a whole thing about how to fuck your boss (laughs) and further your career. It's crazy because she's kind of shaming women for being sexy and sensitive, but saying, but those qualities can also help you. This is a very confusing. It's a very confusing. I like, book. I
1: sort of love her and I hate her at the same time.
2: I it's, know. Convey, it's confusing to the me. The popular version of why married men pounce on girls at the office is they are lecherous, spoiled, neurotic, treacherous, lascivious, selfish, undisciplined, lustful, and immoral. I think they do it because they enjoy it. Some men are all those adjectives, but to be sure, many are not. What are you saying? Say something. I have yet to actually learn anything. There are men who, if there isn't anything else around to chase, will chase and eat their own tails like the live lobsters do when they're shipped from Maine to California without enough ice. So specific. (laughs) More often, however, I think married men become involved with girls at the office because men are human. Can any attractive man really go through life attracted to just one woman when he waves and waves and waves of lovely girls continue to wash up against him every year at work? We keep pretending he can, but I don't think so. I feel like she was like microdosing. I (laughs) mean, lithium or something at the top. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a little all over the place. But I don't. Some men do stay faithful to their wives, but the reason doesn't have much to do with their desiring only one woman. Some men stay faithful more than others because they are not powerfully sexed. What
4: does this mean? Powerfully
2: sexed? The factory was kind of shut down in childhood by too many parental don'ts and mustn'ts and naughty naughties. So they married a girl who was undersexed by the same influences and lived happily, unsexily ever after. I think this is interesting because all self-help today, I feel like in 20 years, is going to sound like this. I bet you're right. I bet you're right. Like it's going to be as outdated as this shit. There was a whole chapter on how to have afternoon delights at work. I can't tell. She's giving very conflicting advice. Oh, no. Oh. Some girls don't believe in sprucing an office or their cubicle. They feel it reveals a nesting instinct. What's wrong with the nesting instinct? You're a girl, and you spend your daylight hours in your office more than any place else, so of course you want it to be homing. You'll be entertaining men there, too. What does that mean? (laughs) Fucking them? What's happening? Did she use the word cubicle? Yes, cubicle. Mm Mm-hmm. Teeth. If you can't brush your teeth after every meal, use dental floss. Once you finally acquire the habit of either brushing or using dental floss after you've eaten something, you'll wonder how you stood by yourself. This is telling women to brush their teeth. I found this entertaining. Yeah, but it is confusing. It's like, to be fuck the boss or not fuck the boss? It's very confusing. There's still another totally different kind of sex connected to offices, however, that we haven't dealt with. In fact, it's an institution. You don't actually participate in it or have dealings with the institution, but some of the men in your office may. I assume anything which concerns them could concern you. What? (laughs) This is about hookers at work. Hookers at work? This is about hookers at work. Yeah, well, a boss doesn't need to badger you because there are these girls from the institution who (laughs) are his for the selecting, and who have no inhibitions whatsoever. They're rather costly, but that's no reason for him to economize by trying to use you. Listen, if you're having even a scrap of trouble with any man in the office, expecting you to do things you don't feel like doing for him or anybody else, I suggest you put this book under his nose, open to this chapter, so that he'll know you know. There's another way out. (laughs) Helen Gurley Brown. (laughs) Laying that shit down. (laughs) I love this shit so much.
1: So we're going to call some people that have submitted questions. Can't wait. Okay, here we go. Hello? Hi, Donna. Hi. Hi, it's Anna. Hi, Anna.
3: It's so nice to talk to you. Yeah,
1: you too. Thank you so much for doing this. And I'm here with Whitney Cummings.
3: Oh my gosh. Hi, Whitney. How are you, Donna? Hi, I'm so good. How are you? I'm
1: good. Thanks for doing this. Will you tell us what's going on?
3: So my situation is I have been... With my boyfriend for three years this Christmas Eve. We've lived together for about a year and a half. Um, we get along like really great, everything. He's 30, then I'm 29, and I feel like I'm ready for the next step in our relationship. I'm ready to get engaged and, you know, in the near future, get married and have a family and that sort of thing. And every time we've discussed it, he kind of shuts down and I'm not ready. What's the rush? You know, that kind of thing. And I've noticed it's starting to kind of cause a resentment in mm. me towards him. I've been less patient with him and snap at things that I never normally would. And I feel like it's because we can't get on that same page of I'm really ready to move forward. and I just feel so stuck.
1: But I do wonder if societal pressure to get married and have kids, if that's sort of weighing on you? And are you feeling pressure from your family at all?
3: Yes and no. I feel like they definitely want to see, you know, somebody that's willing to like, commit to me fully and stuff. But then at the same time, they want me to be happy and and be with someone, you know, that's also happy. And I can tell that a lot of my family really just wants whatever is best for me. But then there definitely is family and friend and outside, you know, like you said, that societal pressure of like almost devaluing our relationship because it doesn't have that title of marriage. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. Donna, can I ask you a crazy question? Yeah. What's going on with him financially? Would you describe him as financially secure
3: Yeah, he's an electrical engineer. He's very finance savvy. We live in New York. So you know, it's very expensive. Um, Yeah. And he lived at home until he moved in with me. He saved he got a good job. He was an engineer when I met him. But I am his first real relationship though. I am his first Well, everything.
2: I'm not taking his side. I'm not like all your emotions are valid and I've been in this situation and I don't wish it on anyone because it is so frustrating and clear to you, especially if you know this is it. You're just like, I know how the story's going to end. Why don't we just like, you know, expedite it? Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people forget that for men, it seems like he's already married to you in his head. It seems like he's already committed to you, but there's a big financial burden that I'm sure... He's having to sit with, like, I have so many male friends who are like, I want to marry this person. I just want to do it right. And I just need a couple more years to save some money so that the resentment doesn't switch the other way. Yeah. You've got what you wanted, but then he's secretly resentful of you because he's going paycheck to paycheck because he spent money on a ring that he doesn't understand why it couldn't have just waited a couple years, you know? So I always just try to, like, put myself in the shoes of the other person. Because if he does something before he's ready. You're so much more generous than I am right now, Whitney. Well, I'm just saying, I think a lot of times for us, it's so obvious. But I think a lot of men, the kind of men that I think you do want to be with, don't like to be told what to do or when to do it. You know? So it's it's this weird thing where when you start putting pressure on, they then recoil and then have to reset until it's officially their idea again.
1: Donna, does your
2: boyfriend make you happy?
1: Like fundamentally?
3: Yes. Definitely. He's the person I want to tell everything. And I want to just spend time with not so much always in that puppy love honeymoon phase, but like that true, deep, eternal happiness.
1: And what does he say when you're like, I would like to get married soon, or I'd like to be engaged soon? What does he say? What's his defense?
3: He kind of says a mixture of what both of you have been saying. He'll say like, I just don't see what the rush is and I'll be like, no, I'm not trying to rush you. I'm just saying I want us to have this next level of commitment and I'm ready for this and I want this and he'll say things just like I'm going to marry you one day and I'm like, that's cute, but we're also not like 16 kind of like, okay, could one day be like in the next few years or like, are we just gonna, you know, keep doing this. I also kind of feel like with him wanting to live with me and have this committed relationship, it's almost like. But why do you keep the one foot out the door? Right, if that makes sense. Yes, and maybe that's just how me. long has it been? You've been for two years together. Three years this Christmas, and we've lived together almost two years.
2: I think I just have so many guy friends that love their girlfriends so much and really want to be with them and mean it when they say that, but they're just like. Oh God, but this is going to cost 15. Let me just save up more money so that I can actually afford this thing. You know, sometimes it is financial for people and we think it's, you know, personal. You clearly don't want to poison the relationships with your expectations or rushing it. But it also seems clear this is like something you want. But I do think you don't want it under the circumstances where he's resentful and feels forced and you feel like he only did it because you forced his hand.
1: I also think that women or men get sort of pressured into the idea of locking into a commitment. Like our parents want us to feel secure. We're supposed to have babies or Mm -hmm. whatever. And I love the idea of fighting against that inclination. So you have a sense of freedom to do exactly what you want to do. And it sounds like you love your partner. And I love that. But I also don't want you to fall into the idea of like, oh, I must do this because this is like I'm at the age where I'm supposed to do this yeah. and then I'm going to get the age mm-hmm. where I'm supposed to do that because that's what I grew up
2: with. You can also have an honest conversation of saying exactly what she's saying going – I don't even really know why I feel like I need this right now. Maybe this is just social pressure. I don't want to force you. Pose the question to him. Mm-hmm. Like is this just like this superficial timeline that we're socially constructed to believe we need to follow as women? Maybe it's a familial thing, but I'm feeling this anxiety. That is great. Just ask device. him and he might go, "Oh my god, and I'm feeling all this financial pressure or all this pressure from my friends to not because they're in miserable marriages." Openly talk about your fears. Right. Because I think our relationships are only as sick as the secrets we keep in them. Just don't discount all the good things he's done because he hasn't done this one other thing.
3: Yeah. Yes, that's so true. Thank you. Thank you both so much. And I will Donna's like, I
2: got to go. This.
3: No. no <laughs> oh, my God. No. <laughs> okay, guys. No, seriously. <laughs> I got to yeah, run. Yeah, you're like, Th- thanks. <laughs> Donna, thanks. <laughs> thanks,
1: Donna. Thanks, Donna. Please be in touch. If you don't, I'll be mad and you not want to see me when I'm mad.
3: Okay. No, I don't. I do not.
1: (laughs) All right. All right. I love you. Thank you for calling.
3: Thank you so much, ladies. I love you both. You
2: gave great advice. I don't think—I'm very big on, like, leave him alone. Just give him time to figure it out. (laughs) I feel like forcing someone to propose never has gone well for anyone.
1: Hey, Rebecca! Hello! Hi, it's Anna! Hi, Anna. Hi, I'm here with Whitney Cummings. Will you tell us what's going on?
4: I am currently in my first big girl relationship. I've always had a tendency to date people where I don't really see anything with them in the future. This is the one relationship I've been in where I feel like it's going really well and I feel like he respects me and he's a feminist and he's so smart and Laugh. It's just really easy for the most part, but there's just one thing I don't know how to deal with, mainly in our sex life, and it's kind of embarrassing, but he, he doesn't, I don't know how to say this in a classy way, he doesn't go down on me, except maybe, like, I think, like, three times. How long have you been together? Uh, like, eight months. Mm -hmm. The only times he's done it is when he's like super blacked out drunk. So naturally I think, oh, there's something wrong with me that I need to fix. If I bring it up, he starts talking really fast and he gets really nervous. And then he just switches the subject and it's clear he feels like I'm attacking him and he gets super uncomfortable. And on one end, I'm like, okay, well, it's not that big of a deal. I should just let it go. But on the other hand, it's like I go down on him all the time and Feel like it's a matter of respect. Like, well, I do it for you. Why don't you do it for me? And then I think if a guy tried pressuring me into something I wasn't comfortable with, well, he'd be an asshole. Can I ask you something, oh, Rebecca?
2: This is, yeah. This is since we're just going for it here. Is it something you enjoy and is it something you think he's good at?
4: It's something I enjoy and I've enjoyed with previous partners. Is it something that he's good at? No. But I don't know if he's. committed to giving it the old college try. One time he did it because we just got out of a fight and he thought we were going to break up. So I think it was just like his way of throwing the hat back in the ring to like reel me in again.
1: I was going to ask you if it just makes him insecure that he doesn't know like his way around. But you just said something that gives me a little bit of pause. It's either that he's very insecure about going down on you And giving you pleasure because he doesn't quite know how. Or he is not as invested in your relationship as you are.
2: Yeah. The one thing I do think that gets dangerous in relationship is keeping score. Mm
4: -hmm. You know,
2: like, I definitely did that for a long time where it's like, I did this for you and now you do this for me. Like, he might, like Anna said, not be so good at it. It makes him embarrassed and feel insecure, you know?
4: Yeah. And I also don't want to pressure him into anything. But I also like it, and I miss that happening. Before I started dating him, I was dating a girl, and obviously the sex life between two women is going to differ between a sex life between a heterosexual couple. Oh, yeah, he's intimidated. He doesn't want to follow her.
2: Yeah. He totally (laughs) doesn't want to. Oh, that's 100% it. Yes. He's intimidated,
1: I feel like. I bet you're right. It's so vulnerable to go down on anybody.
2: And you've also said you don't do this enough, so he's already in this, like, insecure like I know that when somebody wants something of me or tells me I'm not doing something enough then I don't want to do it because I'm like well they're going to think I'm only doing it because they told me to and then you just get stuck in this weird performance anxiety thing. Is the sex good without
4: this? Um yeah well in the beginning it wasn't it took a lot of work. This is what
2: you've left out. Yep yeah. So you've been giving him notes on fucking from the beginning. Not
4: like full on notes but like But now it's now it's Really good.
2: Did you guys talk about the sex?
4: Kind, we had a review. I mean, just like a breakdown after each one. I think
2: yeah. he's mm-hmm. intimidated. I think mm-hmm. he's completely... You know when you, like, get told to do so many things then you just start doubting yourself and I think he's afraid of failing? Yeah. Because you're in this, I love this about you and I admire this about you. You're so self-actualized and you're so clear about what you want and you give feedback and you won't accept anything less. But I think after a while that becomes intimidating to yeah. to someone. And I'm not blaming you. This isn't your fault. Yes. In an ideal world, he can take it and he can handle it. But I think with something as vulnerable as, as sex, his pride might be a little bit bruised. Yeah. He's following a woman that you were with and you already told him he wasn't so great at sex before. He might just feel like he's getting too many notes.
1: Rebecca, if you do believe in this relationship, I think that you just tell him, like, everything that feels really good. I think be specific, which is hard for women. I think we're not necessarily taught that. Like... You know, put your finger in me or, like, lick right there or whatever. I think being specific is strong and probably would make him feel good too. Positive reinforcement. Yeah. And maybe you could also even start it out when you guys are enjoying each other, you could ask what feels good for him. And then you could have, like, the exchange of the actual communication, which we're not taught to do in our society. We're not taught to ask what feels good for you. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. maybe you could do that with him, and even if you already know what you're doing makes him feel good, clearly,
2: but it will make him feel safe to ask you those same questions. I also have bad news for you, Rebecca oh, fuck, Whitney. There is a strong chance that you're going to live your life with guys that are not as good at going down on you as that girl. <laughs> that, I, I just that is also just you. You might need to lower your expectations a little bit. <laughs> If you've been with a woman, right. it might always be a struggle.
1: But I do think that open communication, if you can say like, this feels really good and I really like this. I think
2: he already knows though. He already knows what he needs to do. Yeah. And he's not doing it, right?
4: Yeah. Didn't you
2: say, you've you've told him you want him to do this, he just won't do it.
4: Yeah. Like like I said, he gets really nervous. Yeah. He's fucking terrified. He's oh, that's terrified. Really sweet, though. That means he loves
1: you. So just guide him. He's terrified. Guide
4: him. Yeah, 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 for sure. Wow. I feel enlightened and attacked at the same time. (laughs) Oh, God. I'm so sorry, Rebecca. Fuck.
2: No, but I think he's scared. If he didn't want to be with you, he'd leave. He's coming back and he's trying. And he already did everything he needed to do to get better at sex. Like, he's obviously trying to make this work. I think he's just scared. Yeah. And yelling at scared people never makes them less scared.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think a gentle head guidance. (laughs) That would
1: be my solution. I'm awful. I'm awful. Hey, Rebecca, thank you so much. Please be in touch. Thank you, guys. Thank Thank you. you.
2: I can't thank you enough for being here. I love our friendship because I feel like we don't know each other that well, but we're close and we understand each other. I love you. I'll do anything for you.
1: Really? Yeah.
2: Like murder? (laughs) Yes, I already explained that to you. Okay, thank you. Okay, and I'll do anything for you, as well as murder. Okay, no, I don't. I want to do it myself. I want to do my own murder. I'm a control freak. Come on. I would never hire anyone to do my murders for me. I don't think you're that good at murder. No offense. What? (laughs) Whitney. I don't. You want them to back off a cliff on their own. Listen, all right. right. You're a lazy murderer. I don't trust anyone who can, like, cook up a murder too quickly. I can't thank you enough for being here.
0: Bye, guys.